0: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! We're here to help you win your league and have bragging rights on your friends. Let's go! Now, here's Adam, Dave,
1: and James. All right, a lot to get to on today's show. Hope you all had a great weekend. Welcome back. It is Monday, the 9th of April. You might be hearing this on Tuesday. Any breaking news overnight? Sorry, We will not be getting to it. Adam Azer here, at Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R on Twitter. At Dave Richard is with me, at Jamie Eisenberg, J-A-M-E-Y is also here. We're going to finish up talking about that draft last week. We're doing a PPR draft later this week. We got Beckham news, we got Saints receiver news, and we got voicemails and emails. Oh, my. Guys, what was your favorite late-round pick from last week's draft? The best late-round pick didn't have to be your
2: team. I spent a lot of time looking at this and studying it. <laughs> and uh I'm going to go with a pick you made, Adam. 136th overall. What? Ben
1: Roethlisberger. Oh, yeah. And I already had Deshaun Watson.
2: So, yeah. Hey. So, I, I mean, I, I think that this is going to be something that fantasy owners might want to consider, is taking two quarterbacks. Yeah. Pro- I mean, you, you want to do it because it's great value. The problem is, is that if too many people do it, and one of the quarterbacks, one of the first 12 quarterbacks that gets taken sucks. The trade market for one of those second quarterbacks on the teams, you're following me? Uh huh. Those second quarterbacks, your Roethlisberger's, your Matt Ryan's, your Jameis Winston's, the trade market isn't going to be very strong for them unless they are really, really good. All right,
1: Jamie. Well, hi, Jamie. How are you? Good. How are you? I am feeling great. What was your favorite late-round pick? And feel free to pick another one from my team because that was terrific from Dave. No. All right, what do you got?
3: Uh, Jack Doyle, round thirteen.
1: That's what that was. One of my nominations. Yeah, yeah. Really good. I
3: mean, uh, certainly still has a chance to be a top ten, maybe top five tight end, if Andrew Luck is right. Uh, even with the addition of Eric Ebron, I'll, I'll say top ten. Um, he's still going to get a ton of targets. He's still going to be the primary passing guy in that in the tight end position. And think about what that receiving core is. So. Uh, As long as Andrew Luck is healthy, I think uh, Jack Doyle is going to be very undervalued because people will be afraid of the Eric Ebron signing.
1: Yeah, I don't know that you've had a chance to talk about the Eric Ebron signing. What's your thoughts on the Eric Ebron signing?
3: It's never a bad situation to add talent to your roster. He's still a talented player. Um, I know he's underperformed based on his draft position in the NFL draft. But uh, the Colts, when Andrew Luck was right, had two tight ends playing well. And I think that they can get by with two tight ends playing well again.
1: All right, so Jack Doyle. I'm trying to see, was he drafted as a starter? Do you know, or is he a second tight end?
3: I'm gonna say he was a second tight end, but I can tell you in a second.
1: Oh, I'd love to hear this. So yeah, it's like Trey Burton went with the last pick of round nine in a 12-team league. That was 108th overall. Delaney Walker then went in round 10. Uh, no, he was he was
3: the only tight end on that roster. Okay. R.J. White,
1: Jordan Reed. What's a better pick to you, late round? Jordan Reed, Dave took in round 12, or Jack Doyle around later?
3: If Jordan Reed is right, he's going to have more upside, but that's such a huge if.
2: But it's a late round pick. So yeah, but you're,
3: you're still both of you guys took them as starters. So if right. you're going to take one as a starter, I would rather take Jack Doyle as a starter. Um, but again, it's you know you're you're hoping with Jordan Reed at this point.
2: I I like Doyle better in PPR. I just I think that the volume game is huge with him, and he's going to be a little bit better. I mean, you look, just look at the numbers. Um, I'm reading over the outlook that I wrote for our magazine. In non-PPR leagues, Doyle does have back-to-back top-12 finishes with 7-plus fantasy points in 9 of 31 games. That's in standard. A little bit better in PPR, 14 of his last 31. 9.7 fantasy points per game in PPR. Mm-hmm. So, yes, he will finish in the top 12. No, he won't be very consistent, and he's probably going to be touchdown-dependent on top of it all.
1: Well, I think pretty much all tight ends in standard-scoring leagues are touchdown-dependent, right?
2: Most most of them are. That's fair. Yeah. But I'd rather try and get one that could be a little bit better than touchdown-dependent. And Jordan Reed, if he's right, would be that guy. Now, I mean, we all know Jordan Reed probably won't be right. And anybody that takes him in round 12, you're going to say, sweet, if he's right, then I'm going to be awesome. But he's probably going to give you maybe four games of awesome, four games of heartbreak, and eight games on your bench because he's hurt.
1: Yeah, I guess what I was gonna say is that all tight ends in standard scoring leagues are, are are pretty tight end are pretty touchdown dependent. But Reed, Reed can score touchdowns. Uh, I mean, he scored 11 in 14 games in 2014. He scored six in 12 games, and that's an eight touchdown pace. That's awesome. In 2016, and then last year, just six games for Jordan Reed, 211 yards and two touchdowns. All right, so that's a little bit of a preview. We'll talk about some more late round picks, some of the late running backs that went, not including the rookies. Um, and we'll just recap that, but I think we're gonna mostly move on from that draft. I do wanna hear from you, your voicemails. 954-689-3199. 954-689-3199. That's our phone number. You can call that up. Leave a voicemail with your name, with your city, a greeting if you'd like, and a fantasy question. Please not a keeper question. If it's a keeper question, keep it simple. Your emails. Got a lot of those today. FantasyFootball at CBSI.com. Quick run through of the news and notes. Odell Beckham attended Giants' off-season workout program. Yeah! Does
2: that mean he's not getting traded, for sure? No. For sure, for sure?
1: No, I don't think so.
2: Or maybe he was just getting a med check that the Giants can circulate to other teams.
1: Could be. But he was there. That's good news. The Saints signed Cameron Meredith. Now, this is just an offer sheet, Right. Right. So this is fun. This is interesting. What's your take on this if Cameron Meredith becomes a Saints wide receiver?
2: I'd love it. I think he would play. Uh, he's versatile enough to play inside or outside. He proved that in Chicago. But I think he'd be an upgrade in the slot over Willie Sneed. Well, Sneed probably won't be there. I mean, he's also restricted. They'd let rate. him go if they signed Cameron.
3: Yeah, it's funny because Baltimore, I think uh, the story I read today, is, is kind of waiting to see the outcome of the Meredith situation um, because if Sneed does hit the market, As expected, they would be interested in him and continuing their look at retread wide receivers. Um, Yeah, I I don't think really Meredith loses either way. I think it's a benefit playing with Drew Brees, but the targets would probably be better for him in Chicago if he stays there. Uh, Obviously, it's a downgraded quarterback, but um, I, I, I like the idea of him going to New Orleans and playing with Drew Brees.
1: Now, what do you think this would do for Michael Thomas, if anything, if they add Cameron Meredith?
2: Nothing. No impact. Okay. Could it help him in the red zone? No. Maybe a little? No. A little bit?
1: (laughs) Well, so here's the angle I was kind of considering. 149 targets last year for Michael Thomas. That is tied for the most for any player, any Saints player in the Drew Brees era. Jimmy Graham at 149 in 2011. So it's the most for a wide receiver in the Drew Brees era. And, you know, I had mentioned this a lot. Usually a Drew Brees wide receiver is around the 130 to 135 target range. So 149 targets for Thomas last year was more than I expected. It really was. Um, does that concern you at all? Do you think he could go back to the 130 range? Would it matter?
2: I think he'll still be very efficient, if not explosive, in that range, whether it's 130 or 140. To me, the the bigger issue isn't Cameron Meredith, because Meredith might get a similar type of uh, uh, similar amount of targets than what we saw from Willie Sneed previously, which is right around 100 targets, if I recall. I mean, Kamara and Ingram are going to take work away. That's what happened last year, especially in the red zone.
1: Well, how about last question here? What do you think this does for Drew Brees? Drew Brees has been for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight seasons before last year. He has thrown 627 or more passes. Now, you want to get any more specific, you look at the year he threw 627. He only played 15 games. He would have thrown 668 that year on a per-game basis if he had played 16. So then you're really looking at 650 or more passes, seven straight seasons until last year. And he threw 536 passes in 2017. So more than 100 lower than what we're usually seeing from Drew Brees. So what do you think? Does this uh, change anything for you, evaluating Drew Brees, bringing in Cameron Meredith? If they bring him in.
3: It's never a bad thing to add weapons, obviously. Right. So, you know, I don't, I don't think any quarterback that's throwing the ball, even what he did last year at 536 attempts, is going to fall short of 30 touchdowns very often. So if he's going to be above 500 pass attempts with how he throws the ball and the success that he usually has, I would expect him to get back to 30 touchdowns. So I think he'll bounce back with or without Cameron Meredith. I think he'll bounce back and play better from a fantasy perspective. He was very efficient last year. He just wasn't the great Drew Brees that we're used to seeing. So, obviously, it's nicer when he's throwing the ball 650 plus times, but I don't think that necessarily is going to make him a bad fantasy quarterback if he falls below the 600 pass attempt level again. He's just not going to be a top three guy like we're used to seeing because he's getting older. Offense is evolving. Defense is certainly better. His team is better. They're going to be in playoff contention. Um, you know, I mean, I, I go back to a conversation I had with Mark Ingram prior to last year where he said, you know, this was after the addition of Peterson and he said, well, we're, we're in a spot where we can make things easier on Drew. And they did. And I think they'll do the same thing again this year because those two guys are certainly more apt to being at least as, as good as they were a year ago, if not better.
2: They combined for 350 carries and 20 rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Of course that's going to take numbers away from Drew.
1: 23 touchdowns for Breeze. That's so low. So low. Right. Yeah. So when's
2: the last time the Saints had 20 rushing? Touchdowns.
1: Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know either. Breeze went in the ra- in the seventh round. He went seventy fourth overall to Dave Richard.
2: This is good value. Round seven for Drew Brees. He doesn't have to finish as a top five fantasy quarterback for him to be taken then, mm-hmm. but he might. But he might. We've seen it before.
1: And just a reminder on Cameron Meredith missed all of last year, but in two thousand sixteen. 14 games, just 96 targets, 888 yards on 66 catches with four touchdowns. And Meredith had six games with more than six targets that year. He scored double-digit fantasy points in standard-scoring leagues in five of those six games with more than six targets. That's it. And he had four 100-yard games, so he actually had a really good year two years ago. All right. The Titans signed Benny Logan, a defensive tackle. This is a team that allowed 3.5 yards per carry to opposing running backs last year. Now, that's just, just to running backs, not to entire team, but just to running backs. That was fourth best in the NFL. Can you name the three teams that were better than the Titans in yards per carry allowed to opposing running backs? Dave, don't cheat. I know you you might be looking at the notes.
2: No, I'm staring off into space thinking about it.
1: Jamie's definitely not looking at the notes.
2: No. Uh Who was better than
1: the Titans yards per carry allowed to running backs last year? Minnesota? No, alright, here's some hints. Oh,
2: Jacksonville.
1: No. No, remember they had no? a bad run defense before, uh, Marcel Darius came over. Uh, we've got AFC North, AFC West, NFC West.
2: I looked, I saw. <laughs> I can name them.
1: Number one is Cleveland! They were the best on yards against, uh, against running backs, yards per carry. Number two is Arizona. Number three was Denver. And Khalil Mack did not report for the first day of Oakland's offseason program. We don't know what that was all about. No. Oh, I know. Gas.
3: It's probably money. Um the other big news of the day is Andrew Luck spoke and he said that he has not thrown a real football yet. Not picked
2: up a real football yet. Just those imaginary footballs that you see all around. He picked up a a miniature football apparently. Hmm. He's picked up a feather <laughs> and he tore his labrum again.
1: How about a like a nerf football? Those are fun.
2: I believe that's really what he's picked up. Nerf? Our Nerf. It's nerf or nothing. But the his little nerf? Was, his
1: quote was I have not
3: picked up the Duke and started throwing it yet.
1: Mm, the Duke.
2: When my kids were younger they picked up the Duke and <laughs> it was such a mess. <laughs> then
1: they threw it. <laughs> All right. Let's hear uh, let's hear a voicemail and then we'll uh we'll talk about the draft again. But again, nine five four six eight nine three one nine nine. This is about a wide receiver that <clears throat> was the number three wide receiver in fantasy last year. We might not talk about this wide receiver enough. All right, let's hear it. This is Ryan. Hey,
0: guys. This is Ryan from Shiner, Texas. I've got Keenan Allen. I can keep him for a second-round pick next season in a 12-team point per reception lead. Um, And I'm curious because I think it's kind of borderline on whether or not I keep him. Is there a pick number that you would suggest uh, keeping him at once we determine our draft order? Uh and that's all I got. Stay Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I wow. love
3: that
1: they don't have really a neat know. summer.
2: One of your listeners is awesome.
1: Oh, one of my listeners. Yeah, Ryan right. is awesome.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, did, so, did he say it
2: was half PPR or full PPR? Full PPR.
1: So Keenan he, Allen is uh, coming off a great year. He was, like I said, the number three receiver at 102 catches, 1393. Uh, yards and six touchdowns, only six touchdowns, despite the second most red zone targets and the second most targets inside the ten. And Keenan Allen had just ten touchdowns, or six touchdowns last year. I, the question is, when do you take him? When in the second round are you taking Keenan Allen?
2: Few picks after you take Michael Thomas, AJ Green, maybe Gronk, maybe Devontae Adams. Top 15. In PPR, you're definitely closer to top 15, and standard would be closer to 20.
1: Yeah, I don't know why. I feel like he's someone that we've neglected a little bit. Uh, You know, my bad. Is there any reason to doubt Keenan Allen?
3: You know, I asked him, you know, what was the difference this year versus last year when I talked about the Pro Bowl, and he said 16 games. It's like, I know what I'm capable of when I play 16 games. So, I mean, I think for him, we've seen it when he's healthy, he's pretty good. And he was healthy last year for the first time in three seasons. So hopefully he stays healthy um you know if he if he's able to uh you know just avoid those 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 nagging injuries uh like a lacerated kidney or an a c l yeah it's uh it, it it's it's fun to see what he's capable of doing so um i i think he's he's once again gonna gonna be top ten both formats
2: so we're pretty much at the point where we're forgiving him for the injuries or do you kind of just keep in the back of your mind when you draft him? And you say, okay, I, I just got to make sure I have another receiver that I take. It, round eight. No, round I, I, nine I don't worry I about that. I don't
3: worry about that with him um in terms of, like, handcuffing. But I, I I did ask him because he got hurt at Arrowhead again. He got carted off the field with a back injury in 2017. And 2016 was game one at Arrowhead when he tore his ACL. And so I said, uh, are you just going to stop playing Arrowhead? And he's like, yeah, that place is just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I think from a standpoint of just, you know, his personal experience. But – um it's pretty obvious. You know, when when he's been on the field, his rookie season, he was great. His second year, I remember at the owner's meetings, Mike McCoy, uh, the coach of the Chargers at the time, saying he's got a target on his back. He's got to be prepared to be, you know, considered a number one receiver on on an NFL team. And um, he had what I think you can easily, you know, classify as a slump uh, down season. And then, you know, week three, year three was when he had that eight game monstrous start and then had the kidney injury and then the ACL. So, uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's not like he's, uh, ankle sprain, missed three games, hamstring, you know, injury miss missed a couple weeks. He's been, you know, major injuries. And so hopefully he could avoid that because he's, he's a star,
1: right? The, the year, the, the career for Keenan Allen, as Jamie just laid out a thousand yards and eight touchdowns as a rookie, then 14 games in his second year, only 783 yards and four touchdowns, 2015, he bounced back strong. 67 catches, 725 yards, and 4 touchdowns in 8 games. He was on pace for 1,450 yards and 8 touchdowns, and it like 134 catches. Uh, and then 2016, what did he play? A half of 2000, in one yeah. game? So, yeah. yeah, so based on that, quick math, he was on pace for 2016 <laughs> yards <laughs> in 2016. Keenan Allen's been awesome. Now, can we draw any parallels between Keenan Allen and Allen Robinson? Allen Robinson's big year was not his rookie year, but he had the big year. Maybe he had the target on his back. I mean, back. it
3: essentially was.
1: It was? Well, so it, he got hurt his rookie year. Okay, right. Okay, great. So it's kind of interesting, right? Like, I didn't think about this till just now. Great first year, breakout year. Slumps a little bit because he has the target on his back in the second year. Gets hurt immediately next year. And then kind of shocks us, you know, and and Keenan Allen was what, like a late third-round pick in a 12-team league?
3: Yeah, I, I think uh, you're definitely onto something with, you know, that caliber of player. Uh, the one thing I would say if you're trying to compare the two would be Keenan Allen's got a great quarterback. Yeah. And and we have to see if Robinson has that. He might. You know, certainly the, uh, the draft stock on Trubisky and, and, and what the coaching there could be and, and everything surrounding him this season— can hopefully suggest a a Jared Goff type of leap, like we saw in Goff's second season when he got a new coach and a more offensive-minded head coach. Uh, So hopefully that happens because Robinson can certainly benefit from it, and it ties in Cameron Meredith, too. If Meredith is there, that's going to help that offense as well. But uh, I think Keenan Allen you know, sort of established himself with his guy and then just got back to being healthy with his guy, whereas now Robinson has to prove he's healthy along with getting on the same page with a new quarterback and a new system.
2: I would also throw in that supporting cast is better – for Keenan Allen than it is for Allen Robinson. Whereas Keenan Allen's almost never going to see the defensive coverage shifted his way, except in the red zone, maybe only inside the 10.
3: But you know what, though? For Allen, it really was last year where he had the better supporting cast. Because prior to that, his supporting cast was terrible. And he had great numbers.
1: Who do you guys like better, Keenan Allen or Devontae Adams?
3: I have Adams a spot higher. I like Keenan Allen better in PPR, and in standard scoring, I believe I like Adams better.
1: Okay, then. Well, thank you. So let's uh, let's talk about the mock draft. And they're both back to back. Though, just to confirm. Yeah, fair enough. So uh, before we get into that, you guys gonna be on HQ anytime soon?
3: I was on today with uh, our good friend Brian McFadden. Um, ah, I'll be back with him. I believe later this week, and we were talking about the uh, Cameron Meredith situation. And the Patriots situation, signing Jordan Matthews. I don't think we talked about that. Um, and the uh, – what else we talk about today? More receivers.
1: We didn't talk about that. Do we, do we need to talk about that? What's your quick take?
3: I like the signing for Brady. Uh, I think he is a uh, good replacement option if he's healthy for Danny Amendola because I don't think he's going to step into the Brandon Cooks role. That's more of a outside type receiver. He has not typically been that in his career the fact that they paid him as little as they did suggests he's banking on himself. So if he can go in and give them one of those interior targets that they love so much. Uh you know, he'll 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 be somebody that will uh, I I think oh, Jordan Matthews had a good game. Should you pick him up? Yeah, maybe so. Uh, late round pick or late round A uh, uh, little bit of fab dollars, you know, right. one of your late waiver wire claims and then next week you'll cut him.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, HQ's awesome. If you want some NFL draft coverage, uh, I would have told you to go check the Masters coverage. That's obviously over. D- very proud to say I did not watch one second of the Masters. Golf is not a sport. But, uh yeah, we got all sports, NBA playoffs coming up, MLB, anything you want, fantasy stuff, CBS Sports HQ. How do you watch it? Uh The best way is probably on your uh OTT device, your connected device, your Roku's, your Amazon Fire's, your Apple TV's, whatever it is. Um, download the CBS Sports app, and you can watch HQ there. It is free. It is 24-7. It is sports coverage the way you want sports coverage. Uh, real sports fans are going to love this stuff. Uh, it's getting great reviews, so check it out. And football fans, the Pick 6 podcast. You may have heard Will Brinson at the very end of our previous episode last week. Will host the Pick 6 podcast. Six topics, five minutes each, first thing in the morning. This thing is posted at about 6 a.m., I believe. And so you want to wake up, get something in your car, and your morning workout or whatever, uh, the Pick 6 podcast is great. Like I said, six topics, five minutes each. It's quick. It's fun. Fast-paced. Good stuff. Check that out. And go to cbsports.com slash podcast for all of our shows. All right. So talking about uh, some more late-round trends, the round nine running backs in the draft that we did were really interesting. Uh, it was standard scoring. So we had Duke Johnson. Georgia that runs. was
3: a steal. I was so mad when I saw that. Is it, though? Yes. Tell me why. Because he's in an offense that's going to be better. You talked about this with Carlos Hyde, running quarterback. So when is Tyrod Taylor mostly going to run? In running situations when Carlos Hyde's on the field or in passing situations when pocket breaks down and he's got to get out of there?
1: How does that help Duke Johnson, though? Dump-offs?
3: Yeah, I think Duke Johnson will benefit from it. Broken offenses. He'll catch a ball at the backfield. I think he'll be on the field a lot. Had do you ever, think he
2: does anything close to what he did last year he had a lot of touchdowns and a lot of yards by comparison to what he's done before and he didn't do it on a lot of carries i think everybody can combined him being a great passing downs running back i don't know if anybody can look at him and say there's a guy that's going to score seven touchdowns this year no he can score five
1: yeah
3: I, I ra- round nine is just good value for somebody who's going to touch the ball probably 150 times
1: Round nine would have been good for me if I, as the hide owner, if I had taken Duke Johnson. I don't know if I want to handcuff my flex, but in a standard scoring league, I just have an issue getting a guy who gets six carries, and isn't the goal line back. You know.
3: Yeah, this is this is all true. There there are there are certainly uh, you know fluky players who have had success like this before. I mean, it's it's not something you could bank on, but he can. uh, I, I don't know. I I just like the value in round nine.
1: Sure. Duke Johnson, Nick Chubb, who's a rookie out of Georgia. Another great pick. Yeah, that was Dave. Dave, Dave I was I was draft. kind
2: of targeting Duke Johnson, to be honest. And then when he went off the board, I kind of freaked out a little bit and went to my rookie draft board, and there was Nick Chubb. Figured I'd throw the dart at him.
1: Samaj P. Ryan of the Redskins. Rashad That'd Penny. Be yeah, all these guys are pretty interesting. Uh, of course, I had the best one. but uh Rashad Penny. To Jamie, running back of San Diego State. Ty Montgomery. To me, Aaron Jones, Matt Breda. Not Elijah Penny,
2: Rashad Penny.
1: I said Elijah Penny? Yeah. yeah my bad. Rashad Penny. <laughs> Much better draft pick <laughs> yeah. than Elijah. So uh Duke Johnson, Nick Chubb, Samajay Pirine, Rashad Penny. Ty Montgomery, Aaron Jones with back-to-back picks. And then Matt Breda. What do you think about the Packers running backs, guys?
3: You know, after what Mike McCarthy said when I asked him about it at the owners' meetings, um, it sounds like it could be a little bit messy with uh, Montgomery still being in the mix. But I'd be shocked if he's, you know, going to be the primary running down back. Uh, I would anticipate him being more of a change of pace guy and a third down type of back. But, you know, the one thing that McCarthy said, which, you know, go back to what he said last year, which is he wants somebody that can do it all. And I think if you were to look at it, you'd probably say Jamal Williams Showed enough that he could do, you know, all facets of what a running back can do in terms of running the ball, pass catching and pass blocking. Uh, Montgomery did that. He just has a hard time staying healthy. And, you know, we'll see if Aaron Jones can do that as well. So, uh, I think it's going to be a little messy at first, but it, it could be like what we saw last year where there's just sort of pockets of one guy being good for a stretch, another guy being good for a stretch, and another guy being good for a stretch. It's just a matter of how big those stretches may be for each individual player.
2: You know, when we talk about running back tandems and you know the the situations where you got a guy that handles running downs and you got to got a guy you got a guy that handles passing downs like in Cleveland we're expecting that with Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson and then you've got running back tandems like in Atlanta where both guys can do anything and they just mix and match them however they feel whether it's by series or you know you're in for five snaps and the other guy's in for five snaps however they manage it green bay if they stick with what they have at running back I think they could feel okay about all three guys doing work in all three downs. Maybe pass protection could be a different story, but that could make for the ultimate headache for fantasy owners looking to try and gaining a piece of that offense that's typically pretty good.
1: Is there a reason why Jamal Williams, or a good reason why Jamal Williams went four rounds ahead of Montgomery and Jones, in your opinion?
2: At the very least, he's bigger and stronger. So maybe if they want to you know, give roles in specific situations, that guy will work the goal line.
3: I think he's the best one. I mean, I'll go back to what I said last year, and, you know, I I, I, I just like what I saw from him coming out of college and what I expected him to do by comparison to Montgomery and, and Jones. And, I, I mean, I, I'm more excited about him than I am the other two.
1: Jamal Williams. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Randall Cobb in round – uh oh, the first first Demarco Murray in round 10. Stick with the running backs. Are are you guys – do you even have Murray on your radar right now?
3: It's not a bad gamble at this point in the draft. You know, it, it, it comes down to, you know, clearly where he's going to end up playing. But, you know, as we're sitting here today and, you know, could he sign with a team similar to, like, what Frank Gore did where he's with somebody who's unproven and ends up, you know, getting – ten to fifteen carries a game or ten to fifteen touches a game. Like let's just say Tampa Bay. I saw one of the, the Bucks beat writers suggest that they don't take Barkley if he's available to them, I believe at what, eight? Seven or eight where they seven. Pick. And then they get uh and he suggested uh Rashad Penny in, in the second round. So let's just say that's the, the move that they make. And so then they go with Penny and, and and now it's Peyton Barber and then maybe they make a cheap signing of DeMarco Murray. He's gonna play in in, in Tampa Bay. How much he plays who knows, but he'll play there. So I think that's the type of scenario if you're counting on Demarco Murray to end up somewhere where he can get work, it's it's with an unproven back. You know, like Giants for example. Let's say they took a flyer on him with, with what they have there now. Uh, I doubt well, I doubt it they would do it with John Stewart, but um, you know, just a team that doesn't have a proven back. The Colts for example. You know, if he ended up in Indianapolis, um, to pair him with a rookie and Marlon Mack, that that could be something that happens too.
2: I just don't like that he took a visit to Seattle. The Seahawks hosted him, and then they re-signed Mike Davis. He went to Detroit. Hung out with the Lions for a while. They signed Legarrette Blount. It could be money. Could be money.
1: Every free agent he... running back's like, "Hey, Demarco, can you go work out somewhere? I, I need a, I need a job." <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. Randall Cobb. This was actually, you know, we did favorite late round picks. This was the one I was most excited about. This was my pick. I'm biased, of course, but uh I really, I really like it. If, right now, anyway, if they add someone, it'd be it'd be something. Depends on how much they invest in. In that wide receiver I expect them to draft a wide receiver But I just feel like almost by default Randall Cobb has to put up some numbers So I I liked him 129th overall But you guys don't really seem to be interested in Randall Cobb So tell me why I'm a big stupid moron
2: It feels like we've been saying that for two years now Where, you know, he's there's no choice He's got to get better We've been saying it ever since 2015 Uh,
1: Did we last year? I mean, I think we pretty much but no, last
3: year he was done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's done. interesting just just to compare two guys in, in this round, and you had the choice of both: is Randall Cobb and Kelvin Benjamin, because you have two guys who have had previous success. You have one that's in a situation with obviously a great quarterback, if not the best in the NFL, and you have the other who is probably the number one receiver on his team, but he's just had a hard time, you know, staying in shape and and, and living up to his rookie performance and, and previous expectations. And so, what's the better guy to take a chance on? You know, is is it? You know, player rebounding with better quarterback, or is it better player, younger player, uh, with the chance to sort of resuscitate his career, probably with a rookie?
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's the Packers guy, Randall Cobb. If, if Calvin Benjamin still had Tyrod Taylor there, maybe. If Calvin Benjamin were on Green Bay, of course, I'd take him over Cobb. But, uh, I, you know, Cobb's not that old or anything. I, two years ago when Jordy Nelson got hurt, he had a bad year. He really disappointed us. And he got passed over by by Devontae Adams, and I get it. It was bad. But now Adams is the number one. He's the number two. And last year, actually, I mean, really small sample size. But Jordy Nelson got hurt in week two. Randall Cobb had a good game before he left with an injury. I think he played three quarters. He had six catches for 60 yards on nine targets.
3: Yeah, there there are some people at Green Bay that say he hasn't been the same since the lung injury in the playoffs a couple years ago. Uh, keep in mind, you know, you talked about this, Adam, the year that Randall Cobb was great. It was the, the touchdowns, which we kind of knew were unsustainable. And now yeah. they have, you know, one of the best red zone threats that we've seen the last couple of years with Jimmy Graham. Um, I, I think it's interesting, you know, even just to go a, a couple picks further, um, again, comparing Cobb to Benjamin to Paul Richardson, who could, you know, get a bigger featured role with the Redskins, Kenny Galladay, who we know has a chance to be. You know, uh, an improved player in his second year, Rashard Matthews, who, you know, for whatever it's worth, doesn't go away and maybe get a better opportunity. He, he could be somebody that we're really overlooking because, you know, think about what the receiving core is right now. It's Corey Davis and him, sure. And then Albert Wilson, who, you know, is going to get a big opportunity going from Kansas City to Miami, where they have to replace 160 targets and 122
2: catches with Jarvis Landry being gone. I like, I like getting him in round 11 if you're getting depth. He's going to be a good, good third or fourth or fifth well, all these receiver guys, for the team. A starter here. And I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's ever getting back to 2014. No, no, I don't. We 1300 don't need yards to. and 12 touchdowns. But the other, but the if other anybody game,
3: thought that though? He's going around five.
1: The other game I wanted to talk about was when it appeared that Jordy Nelson was was washed up, and and Aaron Rodgers comes back, plays one game at Carolina, Randall Cobb had a huge game. He had seven catches for 84 yards and a touchdown on 14 targets. Uh So that, you know, look, I, I can't I can't base it all on two games. But getting him a what did I say 129th overall, Uh yeah I, I guess you know Albert Wilson that's a good call. All these guys, I could certainly make a case for over Cobb, but I don't know why. For some reason I I am the Cobb guy. It's I am number...
3: Look, there's there's nothing wrong with banking on great quarterback. This, yeah, it, it goes it start exactly. with the beginning of the show. Rewind and talk. you know, insert Cameron Meredith going to New Orleans. You know, right. it's the same thing. Right. It, it's. It's guy getting a chance to play with amazing player, and, and as we've seen more times than not, that quarterback typically will elevate that receiver if he's got talent and ability.
1: So who do you like better, Cameron Meredith if he's on the Saints or Cobb?
2: Meredith. I'll take Cobb.
1: All right. All right, then. I think we'll pretty much wrap it up. You guys want to talk about your teams? Any final thoughts? Sure. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Have fun with it. Uh, Jamie, I, I mean, you,
3: for you know, Jamie, it, for anybody listening to the last show, uh, it's for me it's the same thing. I, I love my running back depth with, uh, you know, David Johnson falling to six, Saquon Barkley in round two. Did
1: we talk about uh, our teams on the last show?
3: We, we, I mean, briefly.
1: I, I thought we didn't. That's why I'm doing this. I apologize. If okay, didn't. so
3: I, I took David Johnson at sixth overall. I took Saquon Barkley in the second round, uh, as um, I had planned. Which uh, again, going back to the last show, I thought I was taking a receiver at six, but both. Antonio Brown and DeAndre Hopkins went at the four or five spots. So there was David Johnson at six. I planned to take Barkley in round two. I did. I went very heavy at running back and very heavy at rookie running back because I took Alex Collins, uh, I believe it was round four, and Rashad Penny along with uh, Sonny Michel. So I have um, three rookie running backs. Um, All three could either be great or in, in bad situations, but that's the gamble of doing mock drafts before the NFL draft. Receiver is certainly a weak spot for me. Uh, I love Doug Baldwin as a top 10 guy, so i got him in round three. But Robert Woods is my number two guy. James and Crowder is number three. Quincy Anunua, Anthony Miller, another rookie, and Paul Richardson. Um, in hindsight, that's a spot that I would have liked to have at least one more, at least number three guy to make it a little bit more sound. Uh, Delaney Walker at tight end, and I have what I consider the number two quarterback in fantasy in Russell Wilson. So good at quarterback, great at running back, okay at receiver tight end. Alright, let me, let me just, uh,
1: <laughs> that was, we gotta, let's, let's recap it here so people can, can absorb Jamie's beautiful team. Quarterback is Russell Wilson. Running backs are David Johnson, Saquon Barkley, and Alex Collins. Those are the starters. Doug Baldwin and Robert Woods, and the tight end is Delaney Walker. Nothing to complain about there. And the bench, Sonny Michelle, Rashad Penny, a couple of rookie running backs, Anthony Miller, wide receiver, Paul Richardson, Quincy and Nunwa, and Jamison Crowder. I forgot about him. All right, Dave, it's your turn.
2: I picked from the two-hole, got Ezekiel Elliott in the first round. Devontae Freeman was there in round two. I couldn't pass him up, and that kind of wedged me into taking receivers in rounds three and four, and I think I got away lucky with Tyreek Hill and Josh Gordon as my two starting wide receivers. Jamal Williams in round five. Uh, to add running back depth. And you know that I like going crazy on running backs. That's what I did in this draft. Um, I'll just run down the rest of my running backs while I'm at it. It's Nick Chubb, Kenneth Dixon, Tariq Cohen, and Kerryon Johnson from Auburn. Receiver depth is something I never go deep on, but I did get Robbie Anderson to be my third receiver. Now that charges have been dropped against him, I feel better about his chances of uh, not getting suspended. Oh, he's getting suspended. You think it'll be four games? Probably. Well, that would suck for me. <laughs> but I got him at a point in the draft where I was pretty comfortable taking him. And, uh, even with the Jets being a total mess right now, I do know that they're going to have to play from behind in a bunch of games, throw the ball. And that's always good for a deep ball receiver like Robbie Anderson. I didn't mind taking him there. I also took Christian Kirk. That's a rookie receiver from uh, Texas A&M. I'm almost positive of that. And I think he's, he's a good receiver that's going to come out, and might make a nice impact as a rookie. Uh, tight end sucks. Got Jordan Reed late. I expect to either start him week one or drop him for somebody else who's starting in week one. Could be Drew. the
1: steal of the draft, Dave.
2: Could be, or he could be a waste of a round 12 pick, but it's a round 12 pick. Rather waste one of those than a round seven, eight, nine pick. Uh, Drew Brees is the quarterback. You might have heard of him.
1: I, I think it's pronounced Carry on Johnson. That is the What'd greatest I name. I think you said that. I'm pretty sure that you might have said Carry because it's spelled Carry. I just try to look at the Auburn media guide. I think it's. Yeah, great. yeah.
2: there's an on at the end of his name. So carry on or carry on. Like,
1: but that's incredible. That is team name gold. He's worth drafting just for the team names. No, you don't think I, he is. Sure. You agree? Silence says everything. Sure. Carry I, on. I, I think you could have some you know, fun with on, Saquon. Right? Carry on my wayward son. Saquon. Sure, you could sure, sure. Have that, I, right?
2: You could have fun with Saquon Barkley. Darius Geis. I think you could probably get creative there.
1: Wait a second. So, how are we going to have fun with Saquon Barkley?
2: Well, Barkley, obviously, you can. That's you know, references to Charles Barkley, Gnarles Barkley the Bar- dog on Sesame Street, Gnarles. and then uh, Saquon. I'm not sure how you can play with that. There's, there's <laughs> potential there.
1: <laughs> somebody can. Somebody can think of something. All right, you don't need to hear my team. You can see it on the website. Uh, it's come great. on, say your team. Oh, okay. I know you're
2: team. proud of it. Come on. I'm
1: very. I just have to get it. So I have, what, the ninth pick? You want me to read it to you? No, nah, I got it. Okay, my quarterback is Deshaun Watson, and my tight end is Zach Ertz. So, you know, right there, I've got elites at quarterback and tight end. So you got to say, oh, I well, he must be terrible at the other positions. Wrong! I have Leonard Fournette and Derrick Henry. In a standard scoring league, that's like 25 touchdowns. Leonard Fournette and Derrick Henry. Carlos Hyde is my flex. That's another 15. T- no, that's like eight touchdowns there. from high Now you're room. up to 26 touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Thomas is my uh number one wide receiver. And choosing from my number two wide receiver, we have Cooper Cup, Calvin Ridley, Randall Cobb, and Terrell Pryor. And my backup running backs are Ty Montgomery. Remember, this is my number four running backs. My flex is Carlos Hyde. Ty Montgomery, that's it. I only drafted four. I took Greg Zerline in the third to last round, because why not get an elite kicker? And, uh, the Chiefs DST in the last round. Cause they will, they play the, they play a high school team in week one. So they're a good matchup. <laughs> <laughs> Schedule's not out yet, but.
2: Not nice of you to talk about the Browns that way.
1: <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's my wonderful team. All right. It's time for your wonderful emails and voicemails. We're going to take a quick detour from football for this terrific voicemail. Here we go
0: up guys this is clint from south carolina dear rick carl daryl and carol i had a question about fantasy but while i'm on the subject of the walking dead i'll ask this is the walking dead one of the most overrated tv shows in modern history to add ammunition to the argument i think they are just taking advantage of their huge fan base acquired from the early seasons of the show and have turned it into a giant soap opera using what feels like $72 $72 an episode. <laughs> Compared to one of the best shows of modern history in the Game of Thrones, they haven't missed a beat since its inception, and every episode is awesome. Tell me I am wrong. Later, guys.
2: I don't know if there's anybody in this room that watches both shows.
1: So I've probably... Jamie and I watch Game of Thrones. Dave watches Walking Dead. But my wife watches Walking Dead. So I've seen... Probably like five to eight episodes, more recent ones. And yeah, the budget thing that Clint brought up is my first impression of the show was like, this is not bad, but man, is it cheaply produced? It's like very low budget. Uh, so I, I did get that impression. It's a little campy. I have got, I think like I've heard the same criticism from Clint that it's just not that good anymore.
2: It's not. There's been one really good episode the last two seasons.
1: Oh, that sucks.
2: They've, they've had this whole storyline where the survivors run into this other band of survivors, but they're a meaner group led by a mean guy named Negan. And it turns out that Negan is, like, more fair than mean.
1: Negan is a great character and an awesome actor.
2: He's a great character in the comics. I, I really – I'm disappointed with how he's turned out in the, oh, really? in the
1: show. Wow. And, and the thing about uh, Game of Thrones, last season was not good. Wrong. No, you know I'm right. You, you know it was a little, it was just no, weird. No, but
3: again, you're comparing it to earlier seasons. Well, yeah. It still I, was good. I think that's just fair. A, look, uh, Antonio Brown wasn't as good as he was two years ago, <laughs> but he's still pretty good, right? No,
1: I, you know, I think what? that if that were the first season of Game of Thrones, I don't know that people would have really liked it that much because it was so wrong. nonsensical. Yeah, no, it was you're so wrong. nonsensical. It you're just, it, every, Game of Thrones did an amazing job of creating this completely unrealistic world and making these rules that, you all could be, that people could be like, oh, okay, fine. It makes sense in this world. That's that's a great part of science fiction. They broke all of their own rules in, in season seven. They just got – they're not going off the books anymore, so the writing's not as good. They but better come that, strong in, in year eight.
2: That stuff kind of happens in The Walking Dead. I mean, like the, the overall basis of The Walking Dead is if you get bit by a walker, you're dead. And they haven't gotten away from that. No one's gotten bit by a walker and then miraculously survived. But just for the case, think of a character on the Game of Thrones, clear boss type of character has a number two guy. Okay. The number two guy betrays the boss. Would the boss immediately kill off his number two guy or would he forgive him and then give him a chance to run the entire operation (laughs) if he beats him in a fist fight? Well, that's what happened on The Walking Dead this week. And it was I. You're if The Walking Dead is in a world where there are no cops and there is no law, and someone does something you don't like, you just shoot them in the face and you go on your merry way. Right. And that should have happened here. It's
1: that you know what a lot of that it doesn't should have make happened. sense, and it, it makes me mad. Same last episode of the of season seven in Game of Thrones, somebody should have died and didn't, and I was it was a very kind of a similar scenario actually. I was very disappointed. Okay, who oh. should have died? There was a character – I don't want to give away – whatever. Uh, no, you're well past – All right, fine. Just fast forward, hit the fast-forward button. Uh Cersei should have killed Jaime and or Tyrion and would have in any other season. But they don't kill people. They don't kill good guys anymore. That was the best part of Game of Thrones. You never knew who was going to die. Now you know there are like ten people that are just not going to die. All
2: right. Well, I mean part of that is because nobody's left.
1: <laughs> I guess. I guess.
2: Okay. Meanwhile, The Walking Dead killed off a character that's been on the show since its beginning for no reason whatsoever.
1: <laughs> God, this show is really Honestly, off the no
2: re- the, it's the Carl, the kid. Uh, oh, the, really? The share- oh, see, now I should have given you a spoiler warning for that. That just happened this week? No, that happened I like say, 10 that, weeks that's ago. Bad if you oh, that. that's fine. <laughs> no. All right. No, I, that was 10 I, I weeks I just, ago. And I don't I know if the kid just happened. wanted off the show or if they wanted ahead. to, you know. Shake up the show a little bit, but it's just to quote a, a friend of ours who used to work here. It's just stupid.
1: <laughs> so let's get to some emails here. We have a couple more voicemails later, but I want to read the emails. Been neglecting the good old emailers. Uh, Fantasy football at CBSI dot com. Eric from DC. Eric from DC. I did watch Happy Gilmore the other. Day. I know that's Billy Madison, but I watched Happy Gilmore the other day and it was uh, terrific. Dear Wyatt, Virgil, Morgan, and Doc. Is that Tombstone?
2: Maybe. Don't know.
1: Tell me if I'm crazy, but I think Alan Hearns and Deontay Thompson are both better than Des Bryant these days. Is he crazy?
2: Yes. Hmm. Definitely. I think he's crazy. <laughs> Do you think Saquon? But I had to Narl- like think for like, how long was that? About three and a half seconds?
1: Yeah. Do you think that Saquon Narls Barkley would call him? He would, he would do that.
2: <laughs> at least your listeners like listening to you
1: yeah my listeners I Does
2: think... your wife like you're singing like when you're at home and you're you're cooking dinner or cleaning the house and you're you know singing brian adams latest hits out loud to your cat does she like start dancing to your singing or I does she play to shut up
1: get the sense that she's getting pretty annoyed with it i get the sense but she's a trooper
2: if I sing one note at home to any song I get yelled at by my wife kids and dog.
1: <laughs> I think Eric's point was that well I, I think he was trying to get at uh, at DAC you know actually improving with with Hearns and Thompson instead of des you're not buying it,
3: it it's hard to say uh, that Des has fallen so far that Alan Hearns, who was just cut by the Jaguars and got one of the worst contracts in recent memory, and Deontay Thompson, who's had five good games last year with the best five games of his career, maybe, I I, I don't think Des has fallen that far yet.
1: All right. This is from Steven. Where's he from?
2: Pittsburgh, Kansas. Mm,
1: he's from Philadelphia, actually. uh, Jalen, Michael, Dante, and Phil. Those are Villanova stars. I have two questions. I'm a Villanova student. I was a little nervous all last week because Adam potentially bonanzaed Villanova by all but guaranteeing that they would win on last Tuesday's show. So my first question is, do you think that overcoming Adam's bonanza is an achievement that Jay Wright can put on his resume? And my second question is, I'm thinking that if you draft Alex Collins, it's worth picking up Kenneth Dixon in the last rounds because the Ravens are hesitant to give the offense over to Alex Collins, what are your thoughts?
2: Assuming they don't add another running back, I like that idea a lot. Dixon is a running back that I think will be forgotten about in most leagues. Is he healthy? Let's draft him as
3: if he is. And is Buck Allen still on the roster? Who? That guy. What?
2: That Who? takes away all the work of all the people we like. You mean that annoying guy? Yep. He's so annoying that he's got a cool nickname like I'm, Buck, but I'm his right real name here. is Javoris. I'm
0: right here, jeez.
2: He is
3: still on the roster and is very cheap, so Kenneth Dixon may not get the work that we hope he gets.
1: Uh, what about Jay Wright? Should he put that on his resume? I think he should.
3: I think your bonanza curse has been broken.
1: I think so. It was a myth all along.
3: Well, no, it was not a myth. It was an actual curse. I don't know what point broke the curse. You are um, perilously heading toward another problem, though, because you have yet to swallow your beanboozle.
1: Oh, so, I, I been boozled on Easter. I no, tell you, you, guys. you tried to
3: tell us that last time. Yeah. Like, uh, we, don't uh, we don't believe you. you. So <laughs> you, you need to actually do it. It happened. We, see you do it. And you said you didn't swallow the whole thing. You said no, you I spit it
1: out. it out. Yeah, I almost threw up. Right, that's so that's not doing it. I think I have a taste bud issue. I'm very, very sensitive. Very sensitive. <laughs> uh, okay, question from Dallas in Las Vegas.
3: That's weird.
1: Yeah, I know. I commission our 12 teams. St- We just told him it a weird name. I commissioned our 12-team standard Keeper League. We try to make it a real NFL GM experience by having the draft as a non-snake format. Each round is the inverse of the standings from the year before. So if you were last, you have the first pick of every round, you know, just like the NFL draft. Everyone in our league seemed to enjoy it over the years, and it's kept everyone engaged by allowing bad teams a chance to turn around quickly the next year. Uh Recently, I had another avid player who's not in our league telling me how dumb of an idea this was, the non-snake draft. We do allow trading of future draft picks, and you can keep up to three players for up to three years with standard round penalties. We have seemed to enjoy this format, but is it a bad one? If so, why? And P.S., we have a different winner each year.
3: If you enjoy it, it's not bad. If everybody's all in on how you set up your league and do your draft and run your, your teams. So... Don't let anybody
2: tell you differently. I'd like it better if you had more keepers. Yeah. If you could keep six, seven players, that way everybody can build the nucleus of their team. And then the draft doesn't swing so much. Because if if you're the last place team, everybody keeps three players, and I'm still getting two of the top 13 guys, it's, I think that's an advantage. I'd like to know how often teams that pick in the top three are in the championship game in your league, Dallas.
1: In Vegas. And I would like it better if you did the first three rounds your way and then started snaking. But, hey, if it works for you, it works for you. Your other friend is a jerk face. Connor from St. Louis. Let's see if Dave can get this greeting. Hey, Marcel, Tommy, and Dexter.
2: Is this a baseball one? I'm not telling. It's a baseball one.
1: Okay, specifically? Cardinals. Yeah, what about them?
2: There are three players on the St. Louis Cardinals.
1: So. <laughs> outfielders. Uh, keep I questioned. said outfielders. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, Dalvin sure. Cook in the in the second round, twenty third overall, or Keenan Allen in the fourth round, forty seventh overall. And no, I don't know if it's standard or PPR. Cook and Cook twenty third overall, Keenan Allen forty seventh.
2: And is it for one year or for forever?
1: I'll call him. I'll ask.
2: <laughs> Don't call him during a Cardinals baseball game. He might not answer.
1: Who do you want? Cook in the second, Alan in the fourth. I'll take Alan.
2: Yeah, better value.
1: And Connor says, oh, I can't bean-boozle either, Adam. You're not alone. Thank you. From Arnold. I bet
2: if Connor had to bean-boozle, though, he wouldn't spit it out.
1: Yeah, but well, I would.
2: He would chew and swallow like you're supposed to do with all food items. He is one of your listeners.
1: He is. <laughs> uh Arnold says, Hey, CBS Fantasy Football Podcast. Where's Arnold from, Dave?
2: Arnold is from Pittsburgh, Kansas.
1: 12-team PPR. Keep one from last year. Todd Gurley in the third round. End of story, right? Or Aaron Rodgers in the 15th round.
2: Gurley. Yeah, I'd go Gurley. It sounds crazy. People people are listening going, how could you do that? Aaron Rodgers is such a good value in round 15. It's definitely girly. It's girly. You're getting the number one player in the draft and a stud in PPR. The only way it doesn't work out is if Jeff Fisher comes out of coaching retirement and is somehow hired (laughs) by the Rams (laughs) and says, all right, we're going back to the way that we do football in the Jeff Fisher era. I don't know if Jeff Fisher really talks like that voice or not. <laughs> All of a sudden, you, uh, Jeff Fisher sounds like Wilford Brimley. <laughs> have
3: you ever, have you, have you guys seen the, uh, the Captain Andrew Luck Twitter handle? Yes. So based on what he said today, we have a new post. Uh, dearest mother, I'm once again among my men. In my exuberance, there have been some confusion. While I have been using live ammo with my sidearm, the rounds have not been the standard issue Duke. I simply cannot risk redamaging my barrel. Soon I shall upgrade. Andrew.
1: I've never seen this Twitter account.
3: Oh, it's so funny.
2: It's it's very clever. Does
1: the actual Seinfeld or, like, the fake Seinfeld account still exist? I think so. That's really funny. Okay, here's a question from my Where it's, asked. like,
2: Seinfeld storylines, if Seinfeld were still on the yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: internet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I must follow it. Okay. Uh, hey, Andrew, Rob, Sammy, and Leonard. We should know that. All right, well, we'll get it. Come draft day, which starter—oh, these are probably injury-prone players. Which starters at each position might you downgrade somewhat because of injury risk?
2: Well,
3: Andrew Luck would be one of them. Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson. uh, Well, but
2: come draft day, they might be practicing already. They might even have a couple weeks of practice under their belt, in which case you probably wouldn't do it. Can Andrew Luck be the same way? He could. That's a fair point. I mean, it's, any it's other any, any player that? How about Jordan Reed? Oh yeah. yeah. How about Tyler Eifert? Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook. Um, Chris do you Carson, think? Do you think people are gonna Marshawn steer Lynch, away, Marshawn McCoy, because they're older? Do you think people will still steer away from guys that had concussions, like high profile concussions last year? I mean,
3: is there is there a poster child?
2: Well, uh, C.J. Fedorowicz doesn't really count because no one yeah, ever drafted him. Yeah, I mean, there, there's him, but... no.
3: Uh, what was the guy for the Colts that got concussed all the time?
2: Uh
3: Austin Collie.
1: Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, I mean, Wes Walker was was in that category too. Uh, you I'm... know, I I think it's more the guys at this point. Like Keenan Allen, I think you know now that he played a full season, you know, he's probably behind that a little bit. But Odell, you know, is there a concern over him? Is there a concern over Allen Robinson? Alshon Jeffries coming off a shoulder injury. He's, he's gonna be in a sling still, as far as I understand. He had, uh, rotator cuff surgery. I'm
1: toying with well, the well, idea that there's no such thing as injury prone in any sport.
2: Injury prone? Yeah. Uh, I was a Derrick Rose fan for several years. Well, yeah, I think until, his body, until his until body broke down, him, but... I'd
1: say. But
3: I think there, there are some guys like Will Fuller, for example. Somebody's gotta get past it.
1: Yeah, but he, he easily could. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose is completely broken down.
3: But I, but I think tomorrow, it's more, you know, going going back to the the Keenan Allen discussion. Um, it it comes to a point where what's the injury? Is it every, it, you know, Jordan Reed the the toe problem? Yeah, the knee problem, the ankle problem. Like he just has little minor injuries that keep him out for an extended period of time. Andrew Luck, lacerated kidney, same like Allen. You know, shoulder problem that they just didn't handle right. Once he gets on the field, I think you should feel comfortable. that he should be okay.
1: I think that, like Le'Veon Bell ended a few consecutive seasons hurt, right? He's played 16 games. David Johnson has had a serious injury in each of his last two games. Do we consider him injury-prone? I don't know that you can. The, the guy I really worry about is Leonard Fournette because he's so physical. He takes on so much contact. Uh, he so that's not necessarily
2: injury-prone. No, it's not. That's just football-prone. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I mean, yeah. you,
1: you talked about
3: this, and, and he hasn't been right since. Thomas Rawls.
1: Thomas Rawls, yeah, and Leonard Fournette reminds me of Thomas Rawls, you know, only in the fact that they both love taking on contact, and it's not the smartest thing in the world.
3: Well, we also have a new rule, too, that's going to impact how those guys play.
1: Sure. All right, Modern Seinfeld, by the way, hasn't updated since uh, 2015. But uh, so it's a Twitter
3: account about nothing?
1: Yeah, basically. When the Wi-Fi George usually steals suddenly has a password, he becomes addicted to trying to hack in. Jerry, just get your own, George, never! It was funny. Back in 2015. All right, finish with a couple of emails here. Here we go.
0: Hi, this is Anthony from Upstate New York. Just wanted to provide you a heads up. I've been listening to the last few podcasts. You talk about the Seahawks, uh, Chris Carson, Russell Wilson, that kind of thing from a fantasy perspective. Just want to let you know that the Seahawks, uh, Pete Carroll, is focusing on getting back to the running game. They've overturned their staff. They got Schottenheimer, who is the offensive coordinator, who's going to be focused on running the ball. They got Solari on on the offensive line. They signed DJ Fluker. Um, and part of my heads up is I don't think Carson will be the, the starting running back. Um, we generally believe they're going to draft a future running back in uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, how that will impact Wilson, you know, being the number one uh, fantasy quarterback, uh, could go both ways. I mean, it could make him more productive if he has a, a viable round game. It may uh, lead to fewer pass attempts um, because there's going to be a lot of running in Seattle next year.
3: I I, I think he's a hundred percent right about what they would like to do offensively whether they're able to do that offensively though remains to be seen because they've tried to bring back their running game since letting go of marshawn lynch but the bigger thing for me is that defense is not going to be the same and so if they're not able to stifle opponents like we're used to seeing the reason i like russell wilson doug baldwin um you know we'll see if there's a second receiver that emerges tyler lockett you know uh whoever else they may you know try and bring in as their third guy. Uh, I I just think you're going to see Russell Wilson have to carry this team more so than he's done in the past. So I don't expect them to be uh, playing with as many leads as we've seen. I think they're going to be chasing points. So that doesn't necessarily lend itself to running the ball with a ton of success. I hope they do because I like Chris Carson, and we'll see if they add somebody else to that backfield, which would make sense. But uh, Russell Wilson, to me, is going to have one of his best years, if not the best year, in 2018.
2: The bigger problem I see for Seattle is that they have two picks in the top Four rounds They have a first round pick They have no picks in round two They have no picks in round right three Right now And they have one pick in round four Well unless they start trading players away for picks
3: Or trade down They're going to have to start trading down a lot so. Yeah you know,
2: two That'll help But I'd, I really want to see them address their offensive line
1: Alright that's going to do it for today's show Good show Good show guys Thank you Good stuff And I want to thank all of you for listening Again you can call us up 954-689-3199 Or email us FantasyFootball.com at cbsi.com. Fantasy Football at cbsi.com. For Dave, for Jamie, I'm Adam. And we'll okay. catch you, I think on Wednesday, we're going to do a live mock draft. So we'll catch you then. That's the plan. Talk to you later. Bye. It's Bye. It's
2: right. I've got